Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling into the 4 o'clock hour, Reno's in, Vegas. Adam Candy's here as the company, it's Cofield. Finley Toyota Studios, Ari, alongside. We've got a lot to recap with NBA and free agency opening up. A lot of reports coming in, and most of them are with guys who are actually staying with their team. So we'll have a full roundup at 4.20. Close to home, the Vegas Golden Knights have a deal done with Aiden Hill. It is two years, about $10 million, so they have started to clear up what they're going to do with the goalie situation. I can't call it goalie room. Uh, Candy, real quick, before we get into the big four, we just finished up the last hour, and if you missed the first hour, you can hear the entire show after the show at lvsportsnetwork.com. What do you think of Hard Knocks and the Jets, well, specifically the Jets, the NFL forcing the Jets to be on Hard Knocks? It's not official, but that's where it's trending. Well, we're going to get real big with the word forced (laughs) <laughs> aren't we with attention on the New York Jets if the New York Jets didn't want extra attention then they shouldn't have brought in a guy who does a weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show and is out there speaking at psychedelics conferences you essentially invited the league to force you onto the show by having the most interesting storyline with Aaron Rodgers so I want to make clear I want this and so I probably sound biased <laughs> like I want this desperately I want them to have cameras following Aaron Rodgers to the Solitude Retreat. I want them to be following Aaron Rodgers to Hollywood premieres to see what starlets he's hitting on. I want to see Aaron Rodgers selling mushrooms somewhere in Brooklyn to unsuspecting people walking on the street. Like I want all of this because <laughs> it's what we deserve after suffering through the will he, won't he of like three straight off seasons with Aaron Rodgers. It's what the fans want. It's what the fans need. And that to me is what the NFL must force, force the Jets to do. The rest of the fans and especially the Patriots, the Dolphins and the Bills fans. It's not necessarily what all Jets fans want, especially that whole thing about uh, potentially being popped. I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers locked up or taken away from the team on uh, drug distribution charges. I don't know where you got that Oh, no, 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 no. I, no, 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 no. Uh, the, these days in New York, you can pretty much sell anything on the street okay, good. Uh, that, you, that you want. By, yeah. By, by the way, by, by the way, back in the day, you could pretty much sell anything on the street. I don't know if, how, hey, many times, how many times oh, when, hey. when, you lived, when you lived in the area, you could, you could go into, oh, that's enough of that story. All right, big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four Number Four I was going down a path I did not want to go down That story did not need to finish Um, Bad day, bad day Over at uh, ESPN It is uh, a partnership that we have with Big ESPN We're simply an affiliate We're owned by Lotus Broadcasting So we do have to speak on the layoffs, Candy and we knew these were coming, but a lot of the personalities that uh, you know and you love some of them have been told they're gone from the company. That includes, we told you about two weeks ago, the morning show right here on ESPN Radio National, our super early morning show before Bischoff and Graney. All three of those guys are going to be exiting ESPN. That's Keyshawn, Max Kellerman, and Jay Williams. And there are a lot of other familiar names and a lot of names that have been there for 25 plus years. 25 plus years and more than the time they were 
certain pieces of the coverage, right? Jeff Van Gundy, as the lead analyst on the NBA, was synonymous with Mike Breen and Mark Jackson. Love them or hate them, and I prefer JVG uh, over MJ. But Susie Culber, I mean, Susie Culber, who's been there from the who launched ESPN2, and mm. you go even deeper, and certain names maybe aren't as synonymous with ESPN, but maybe they are to our listeners. Jason Fitz did a weekly hit on the Press Box Morning Show with Tyler and Ed that I fill in on sometimes, and you won't find a better dude doing sports radio. And Jason Fitz was let go from ESPN as well. Uh, ESPN claimed it was a giant cost-cutting measure, and if you do some quick math on the salaries of some of the people who were let go, you're going to come out to probably in the range of 25 to $30 million a year being saved at the bare minimum yeah. off those who were let go. So it's, I would ask this of people, just don't celebrate. Even if someone you don't like lost a job today, they lost a job today. And a lot of people behind the scenes who are their producers, who are the people who work crew on their shows, might also be getting their lives turned upside down too. So it's not just a matter of, I didn't like Max Kellerman, so I'm glad he's gone. No, no, there's a lot more to it than that. Number three. I hope that BBW, Big Brian Windhorse, is still there. I think he does a great job. You know, over the years, you remember Brian Windhorse started out, BBW did, as kind of the LeBron whisperer, and it was all the Cavs and, you know, then eventually the Heat, and that would, that's what he was synonymous with. But we've gotten a lot more appearances from him, you know, away from LeBron, and we've kind of learned about the guy a little bit. He's still a really quirky character to me. His whole dramatic thing last summer with Kevin Durant and and the Jazz, and he's leaning back in the chair and making all these different weird gestures. He actually explained that recently that the reason he got so comfortable on that appearance on First Take or in the First Take studio was the chairs. I don't know people who are chairophiles. Do you? Not since college. There was a dude in college. I remember he lived next to me in the dorm. Yeah. His actual name was Eric, but we started calling him the chair because he had really? this like esports gaming kind of chair. Oh boy. That you could not walk into the room or walk down the hall and look into the room without finding the dude in the chair. We were like, This is weird, man. Like, do you ever go to class? Like, do you ever eat? <laughs> do you shower? But you know what, man? E the chair. Yeah. Got the last laugh on all of us. You know what he managed to register back in 1997? Oh, no. The website domain drugs.com. What? Oh, man. I swear on all that is holy, yep. that guy made 750 grand off having registered that domain. Oh, by the way, he wasn't back for sophomore year. That was shocker. You need a good chair to think in. Uh, yeah, uh, Winhorst. Talking about the chairs, he said the chairs on first take are very, very good. In that particular moment, I lean back because that chair is a great chair. You would never normally lean back. So when I lean back as part of the storytelling, I made gestures that I normally wouldn't. That just happened in the moment. But those are the best chairs. Stephen A. has rigorous chair requirements, and he is rewarded with spectacular, spectacular chairs. On that desk. Always, always ask. See? Now, as it turns out, 
He actually wasn't talking about his affinity for sweet booties. He was talking about always, always take care of the ass. He left that word out. Yeah, I've never seen this before, so I'm glad. I'm, I did not expect you to answer that with, like, yeah, I do know a chairophile. I know someone who loved their chair. I am so cheap. My my last office chair, I think, lasted from 2002 to 2020. And it was a busted heap of crap that wouldn't stay up. It would just arbitrarily just sink. Then it really didn't it didn't lean back anymore. It was like all crackly, and finally I was like, okay, I got I got an, I have to get a new one. But I want to know what these Stephen A. Smith chairs are. By the way, chairs in the studio have always been an issue because we have I don't know what I don't know if they do jumping jacks on the chairs or flips off the chairs. So that is part of the reason, Candy. You know, when you've been in studio, Cofield and Company is a no sit zone, even if the other person is debilitated and broken. So too bad. Our but chairs are dangerous. There was, no, there's never been a way to get comfortable in those chairs. And even if you can get comfortable in those chairs, there's never a way to get the microphone where you need it to be or to be able to fit your computer in there uh, as well. Like, it's, 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 it's a gym. It's gymnastics. It's impossible. I, t- I tell tales. The chairs now are a little bit better than they uh, – a lot better. A lot better than they used to be. They just made some capital improvements here and building us a new studio, so I will not complain about anything. It is wonderful. It has everything. We love it. Number two. Number two. You know what? Screw Travis Kelsey. God. A full week of him near microphones. God, it got annoying this week. It started with his stupid line in Hawaii. He was at a golf tournament getting ready for the match here. And he's like, I expect to win because he's never lost in Las Vegas. (laughs) And then he repeated like five times. All right, we get it. We get it. You have one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the world, you get to ride along, and you guys get the crap all over the Raiders. Okay. And he did use it repeatedly. Uh, then there was, I think, kind of snitching on the rest of the players. You don't, don't say this publicly, that up to 80% of the league's players use marijuana because all you got to do is pass one test in training camp, and then you're good to go. Dude, stop snitching. And now the latest one, do you think this is bad for players in terms of future earnings in a league where you have to fight and fight and fight for your freaking money. I just don't want Travis Kelsey counting anybody else's cash, Mm -hmm. and that's what this came out as to me. He did an interview this week where he discussed how his agent, his family, always tell him that he's underpaid, and when he sees Tyreek Hill going out and making $30 million a year, that, you know, well, uh, he's he's pretty happy winning. I don't want to hear it. From Travis Kelsey, I don't want to hear it from anybody. Yep, guys, go out there and as we saw with the Buffalo Bills this year and Demar Hamlin, you are quite literally putting your life on the line when you walk onto the field. And the NFL does not have a lot of guarantees in its contracts. Every time you see an NFL contract, it's like he's got a two hundred million dollar deal. No, he's got about fifty million dollars guaranteed, and you can do that with everybody along the way. So. If someone wants to go get the bag, do not ever shame them for going to get the bag. Don't be that person. So you know who really cares about winning? Travis Kelsey really cares about winning. No, he can be happy. I'm cool with it. But he shouldn't be counting anybody else's cash. He shouldn't have Tyreek Hill's name in his mouth. 
And I'm sure that they're all fired up in Kansas City because everybody wrote them off this year with Tyreek Hill leaving. It's going to be a rebuilding year for the Chiefs. No, they won the Super Bowl. But I don't want to hear it if a guy wants to go out there and get his money in a sport where there are only so many chances to do it. Oh, but but you will. But you will. Because those kind of comments, I'm a team player. I don't need to make Do it the, the right money. way. Yeah, those comments are red meat for the dorks in Missouri and Kansas. So many of them love that. It's commonplace amongst a lot of fans out there. Count your own money. I remember one of the one of the weirdest press conference moments I was at uh, years ago. You know, Dana White's constantly in a fight over money, right? He's, he's got his, but he's constantly in a fight over money with his fighters. And Dana White threw it out there. He's like, I mean, come on, guys, at the press conference. I mean, who doesn't want to make more money? And a media member stood up and was like, not me. I make a really good living. We're all like, what are you doing? Do you think you just scored points for that? Because you didn't amongst the other media members. Cut it out. Cut it out. Trying to kiss the patooties of others. Stop counting everyone else's money. Number one. All right, we'll get the update on NBA free agency. A lot of signings. A lot of returns for players. And we'll also get into the match candy. I didn't get a chance to watch much of it because we were on the air yesterday. But apparently the mix of playing reckless and chugging a bunch of beers actually worked for the Chiefs, who were the dog, and they took out the Warriors with Steph and Clay. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400 is the number to call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. This sports update is brought to you by Dollar Loan Center. Get a signature loan up to $5,000. Apply online at don'tbebroke.com today. The Las Vegas Aces announced that they have signed two-time MVP Asia Wilson to a two-year contract extension. And the Vegas Golden Knights announced that they have signed goaltender Aiden Hill to a two-year contract extension. The Las Vegas Aviators host the Round Rock Express. First pitch set for 7.05. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Adam Candy's here. As the company. Pretty wild day, Candy. But not as wild as some might have thought. And this is often the case with free agent periods. The leagues love to build these things up for weeks and weeks. Same as trade deadlines, right? Same as trade deadlines. And sometimes the trade deadline comes up with a lot of blockbusters. I thought the NFL was particularly busy this last year, but then other times, free agent periods don't lead to a whole lot of blockbuster changes. And frankly, I think that's the way the NBA wants it, right? They've built this system, Candy, over the last 10 years to make sure that players weren't just flocking to big markets to form big threes and fours or, you know, prominent, we'll call them programs. So teams now have a chance to retain their own players, and today pretty much that's been the story. We'll get into a couple of changes, but they're not major, major players. So Draymond Green is back, $100 million deal, four years with the Warriors. The core is there, Steph and Clay and Draymond. But now here's the question. I'm not saying you have to build your team to beat the Nuggets but you better be able to beat the Nuggets somewhere along the line. And Draymond Green is 
terrible, as many players are, but terrible defensively against Nikola Jokic. So have they left themselves enough flexibility, and the, the puzzle hasn't been put together yet, do they have enough room to try to improve that position? They've got to get some more true bigs who are athletic and can at least do a somewhat decent job of defending Jokic inside and out. Can they do that? The reality of the new NBA collective bargaining agreement, without putting everybody totally to sleep talking about numbers and aprons <laughs> and contracts, <laughs> is that you're going to have big salaries and small salaries. You're not going to have a lot of middle salaries. That's just the way it is. We see Cam Johnson in Brooklyn get four years, $108 million. We saw Bruce Brown just get two years, $45 million. We're seeing a lot of contracts come in in the exact same range in this 25 to 26, $27 million a year setup. It's not a mystery, right? This is going to keep happening everywhere. And so it's going to put an emphasis on being able to draft well. It's going to be able to put an emphasis on exactly what the Warriors like to talk about, their culture, their system. Well, if the system is really what makes the player, then shouldn't you be able to shop in the bargain bin and come up with some guys who are going to help you? We'll find out because the idea behind let's get some bigs who can make life difficult for Nikola Jokic or Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid over in the Eastern Conference. Well, that was supposed to be James Wiseman, wasn't it? And James Wiseman was a complete and total bust with the number two pick and is in Detroit now because Golden State had to essentially give up on James Wiseman. So I don't know that you can build a better mousetrap against Jokic in particular, but the Warriors are all in on their core and it was good enough to get to the second round last year, barely, barely. And I don't know if it's going to be able to go much beyond that. I'm going to draw a parallel to a botched draft pick from years ago. I think I'm going to get my head ripped off, but you know I'm not objective about my brothers and my dad. LeVar Ball, of course, being my second father, LeVar. You and I did the show on the night of the draft of Wiseman. I know where I was because I was stationed over at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. We didn't have the beautiful brand spanking new studio. I remember these things. I have a weird memory when we get into arguments, not just you and I, but anyone on the show. Um, I do forget when I was wrong, but I know when I was right. I'm kidding. I bring up times I'm wrong. True. But, um, yeah, I was flipping out because the Warriors took Wiseman. They got in that rare position the one season where they could tank because everyone was hurt. And I just kept saying before, I'm like, Mellow, 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 mellow. LaMelo was the choice that would help them make the transition with multiple guards. The kid is going to be freaking great. Now, he's been a bit brittle. Lonzo's been really brittle. I hope he gets to come back at some point. But LaMelo's turned into a hell of a player. And let's see if you can overcome a botched number one pick when someone else really good was right there for you to take. And I will draw the parallel to... The other mellow. Could the Pistons have lengthened their run and maybe won more championships with their core if they didn't pass on Carmelo Anthony and take Darko? Darko. That was a bad one. I mean, that's a really bad. I'm not saying LaMelo Ball is going to have the career that Carmelo did. Now, Carmelo never really won anything outside of maybe the most important wins, and that's internationally. Am I going too far here that that Wiseman whiff 
the Wiseman whiff will lead to the same outcome as the Pistons and Darko, and this group isn't winning another title again? Well, I, I don't know that it's that far uh, because I, I don't know that there there was something that was going to save the Warriors there. I, I really don't. I, I don't know if, if that would have been the answer. But that being said, can we talk about Darko for a minute? Can we, can, <laughs> I, thought can we just, I thought it was talk, a throwaway talk, mention, but let's do it. No, can we can we talk about Darko for a minute? Yeah. Dark, Darko ended up winning in life, right? <laughs> did Darko not end up winning in life huh? in the long run? Sure. Did he not end up with Anna Kornikova? I'm just saying, like, let's give Darko his due for, mm-hmm. for living a good life, yeah. right? He lived, he, 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 he's a winner. He got he's his... one of life's win. You I'm have sorry. to be able to measure winning in different ways, Cofield. You I can't agree. just measure it by rings. Yeah. Can't just be about, well, it can be by rings. It's just who gets the ring. Did, right. did Anna get the ring or did Darko get the ring? It's not the worst for Darko, but the, the, look, I, I believe that that day, uh, if you want to talk about weird memories, were we not in the conference room at Battleborn? Didn't Curtis Terry join us there? Like, I, I'm pretty sure I remember that day. I know where we were. I forgot that Curtis joined us. Yeah, Curtis was there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big day. Big day. Big oh, no. day. You're not, not for the Golden State Warriors. Don't. Not for the Golden State Warriors. Don't throw him under the no, bus it, here. It, Don't do it. No. Did he, did, he, State, no. did he say Mello was a bad car? Uh, no, I was actually don't. I, I don't. I, I don't no, I really. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I know where I was. You look at. You look at what look, look at where the Hornets are now, yeah. right? Like, like, yeah, you can talk what you want about Lamelo, but it, but you know, Lamelo and Brandon Miller is is the start of something that's going to be pretty nice uh, in Charlotte, and there's no guarantee at the top, right? You want to ask me, has a team come back from whiffing on a number one draft pick? Well, I mean, obviously the Warriors did a couple of years ago, and the only other team that I've seen be able to successfully do it was. The Cleveland Cavaliers with our old friend Anthony Bennett yeah, from Bennett. UNLV. Yeah. So the, the trick, the trick in both cases, you don't always have LeBron coming home or Steph Curry coming back from a catastrophic injury, right? Like those are the things it takes to be able to overcome that bad of a thing. So looking through uh, Woj's tweets today, so first deal out was Draymond Green returning. Next one was Kyle Kuzma returning to the Wizards, hundred million dollar deal. Some smaller name guys, but still making a hell of a living. Kobe White, back to the Bulls. Well, Torian Prince, we knew he was leaving his team, but he uh, he landed with the Lakers. But some other big names out there. Jeremy Grant is back for $32 million a year with the Blazers. Oh, boy. That's a good one. And then Chris Middleton, who... I think people expected him to get some good money on the open market. He winds up returning to the Bucks on a three-year deal. So a lot of what's happened today is, hey, the guy was a free agent or opted out of one final year of the deal. We just renegotiated the deal, and he's coming back. Uh, even Cam Johnson, a restricted free agent, uh, just a little while ago, he's going back to the Nets four-year deal for $100 million. So not a whole lot of movement. Bruce Brown moving. From the Nuggets to the Pacers, that, that's a significant one, considering how important he was to that team. But I'm sure the Nuggets will recover. Yeah, they, they will. And the, what I would point out in particular is you thought Chris Middleton would get more. He couldn't stay on the court. You thought Kyrie Irving might get more than two years and a player option at $42 million each because he signed for less than the max. 
but there's another self-inflicted wound there where you know no one was willing to take Kyrie. So the staying is, in a lot of cases, more because they had to than because the NBA put in place all of these systems to keep them there. You either had some self-inflicted injuries or some actual injuries that I think took the real best players on the market and made them say, you know what? I'm willing to stay, and I'm willing to stay for less years. Your comment on the they had to. Did the Mavs have to? Is this a good move? Three years, 126, and like you said, two years guaranteed, but is Kyrie the way to go moving forward? Oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong on this. When I say had to, I mean Kyrie had to. I don't think the Mavs had to do anything. They didn't have to make the trade in the first place for Kyrie Irving. No, are you asking me, are two ball-dominant guards with major defensive questions (laughs) going to be the core of a championship-winning team? No. No, 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 no. That, That is absolutely not what I think. I think the Mavericks are a reasonable case to be in the play in each of the next couple of years because I don't see what they're going to do to put those two players together successfully. It it makes no sense to me at all, but Cuban made the move and decided to double down on it, and it's nothing new with Kyrie. The talent's undeniable. The everything else is totally deniable, and if there's anyone who knows how to deny, it's Kyrie Irving. I almost feel like the Mavs are in a position where they're looking at Kyrie Irving. They made a deal for him. If they sign him, maybe he can get back to winning ways. Maybe he can rehabilitate his image, and then maybe they can trade him. But if they just let him walk now, when his value's at rock bottom, they get nothing for him. So, because I can't, I can't imagine this is the way they want to build the team, as you just said. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Let's start there. I mean, what would you do with this team to have it be more profitable, make more money, compete more? It would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yep, Candy shaking his head. One of the more obnoxious things an owner of a Major League Baseball team has ever said, and they say a lot of obnoxious things, led by the most obnoxious commissioner in all of sports, not Gary Bettman. And believe me, Gary is a special case, man. He's a good level. Um, Bobby Manfred. Mm. Yep. Yep, the uh, the guy who uh, beats around uh, often the uh, baseball fandom on Adam Candy, and Adam just, he takes it, man. He takes it, and he likes it. Hurt me, Bobby. <laughs> Hurt me when you let the red zoner talk like that. Yep. T- just you, you tell your fan base you're going to take this, and you're going to like it, yep. and you're going to be, oh, wait, the reds aren't terrible. I know, and that's why oh, on a – we got. I want to start featuring this, but I don't remember stuff week to week. But really, on uh, either Throwback Thursdays or Flashback Fridays, um, the vast sound crew here at Lotus Broadcasting does a brilliant job of organizing all the sound bites and keeping all of our old stuff. That audio popped up. <laughs> kind of hit my radar this morning, and I was like, man, do we need to apologize? Because what he was talking about there is, listen, we're gonna we're we're committed to building from within, and you know to this point, it's actually working pretty well. They're leading two one right now. The Reds are at home. They're five games over five hundred, so that's you know it's not act like they're the twenty seven Yankees. But a lot of people expected them to suck, and a lot of their young guys have come up. They're actually healthy this year. Their young guys have come through, and they're pretty good. And now they just relinquish the lead, so now it's two two. 
Cofield. Jinx? Yeah, baby! I'm not saying I'm rooting against the Reds. And I should throw in there, a lot of people didn't believe the Reds would be good. That includes their TV carrier, who, with the Diamondbacks, that uh, whatever it was, Diamond Sports was like, yeah, we can't make money on these two bum organizations. And they're both good! Arizona and Cincy are good! Arizona being good at least is an accomplishment because that division has always been a meat grinder. Being good in the Central this year is definitely being the one-eyed man in the land of the blind. Like, the Cincinnati (laughs) Reds in in that Central are just fortunate that the division is as bad as it is. Don't get me wrong, they're fun. They got a bunch of guys you have absolutely never heard of. And how would I know you never heard of them? Because I follow baseball closer than any of you, and I had not heard of half the guys who are hitting in that roster who are who are hit, just actually doing things this year. So it's a great story. I hope they make the playoffs just so that their fans can have something fun after their owner told them last year that they were basically stuck with them locked in the basement with me and Bobby Baseball. <laughs> are you saying there were uh, double gimps in baseball? <laughs> <laughs> One comes out with a Diamondbacks mask on. One comes out with a, a Reds, a Reds, a Reds mask on, and then you're you're scared out of your wits about what's going to happen. I'm just saying to you, the leather isn't only in the baseball mitts. Yes, there you go. Uh, so all the laughs. That's enough. Okay, it's a Cofield and Company. Mm. I, you and I are both Yankee fans. I I felt good about the perfect game the other night. I'll admit I invested one whole inning in it, so that was a drama. Um, and then I was like, Egh. I'm like, Domingo Herman is kind of a creep. How did it hit you when he threw the 24th perfect game in baseball history going back to 1880? It hit me like a feather. I, I wish I could say more. I watched the entire game. I, I was there from the absolute jump. And you know what, man? This is a guy who slapped his girlfriend in front of his, his team at a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Then she had to lock herself in a room to hide from him as he continued to drunkenly beat her later. And how did he celebrate coming back from his long domestic violence suspension? By getting popped for sticky sticky stuff earlier this year and missing 10 games. He's not a good dude, and it kind of sucks when something that cool happens for the team you like, and you just happen to know the person is so bad that you can't really root for it. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, let's get right to it. We got the uh, hot dog eating contest going down on Tuesday. We wanted to bring in some experts, not necessarily people who are in the contest, and we're examining why they're not in the contest. And uh, boy, oh boy, the vast guest booking crew here. Uh, I misread that one. I misread that one. We're a little late for Molly Schuyler, but she's nice enough to join us here. One of the all-time great competitive eaters of the last 15 years. She's up with Steve and Adam. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Sorry we're a little bit late. Uh, what's a What's a Friday evening like for Molly Schuyler, especially since you are a mom? Well, usually, I mean, I don't – I'm a bartender as well. Oh, okay. Um, so I, but I don't work Friday nights. I, I stopped doing that a little while ago. So really it was just going out to grab some pizza with the ki- for the kids, and then really I wasn't doing much today. But usually on the weekend I'm traveling around trying to find a couple food challenges here and there, just whatever. Yeah, just whatever, and then and then you feed it to your YouTube channel that's got two hundred and seventy thousand subscribers. Just a little thing. Um, all right, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of jokes and comments I can make in those first comments you made. Um, 
I, I, you know, most of the competitive readers we talk to don't eat like freaking lunatics in between competitions. Like when you go get family pizza, uh, do you yourself, Molly, look at it and you're like, I need two pies myself. Like, what, what do you eat? Like, what, what does a family eat? Not going to lie. I grabbed one kid a sandwich, one got wings. Uh, <laughs> I ordered two pizzas for two different people, but I didn't order myself anything, actually. Really? <laughs> That's crazy. No, no. But you you should be the ultimate. Like my my role as a child and now because I'm a you know a chubby old guy, um, I am usually the kind of the Hoover who cleans up the table afterwards. I look at everyone's leftovers and I'm like, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that. But I think as a competitive eater, you can't be doing that all the time, right? No, you know, honestly, during the day, I mean, I I very rarely will even eat breakfast or lunch. I just I'm just busy, you know. And then as I work on the bar. I'm usually there from about 3 until 10 or 11 o'clock. I just don't have time, and I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I do consume a lot of coffee, though, and not going to lie, I like coffee creamer, so that's kind of where I get most of my whatever oh I take in. But coffee, delicious. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, my, that's my meal all day long, and then I come in for the show, and I'm like uh, freaking uh, Beavis on Beavis and Butthead. I go uh, Cofield Holio. I go crazy. I'm all hyper. Um, so let's talk about where this all started, because Molly is, I think, the best female eater in the world, and we'll get to why she's not in the hot dog contest in a little bit. I, I, I reading up on your the beginning of your competitive eating. This started about what, like ten years ago, around 2012. Like, how did you know you could eat on a level that most humans can't even imagine? You know, it, <laughs> the buffet thing you brought up. We uh, we used to go out. I had three brothers. I'm, I'm the runt. I'm five seven. I'm the runt. Um, <laughs> and we would go out to eat, and you know, my dad would always be like, "You better get her money's worth at the buffet." And it was just funny as heck because we would we, we would make sure we got my dad's money's worth otherwise we, we didn't go up didn't get to go out to eat again so <laughs> we yeah I'm just I don't know my brothers are six three six five and six seven so it's oh. just like we we just we put it away we we had we kept plate plate tallies and stuff like that so you could eat more so so one of the big splashes you made and it's really one of the first times outside of the hot dog eating contest. Um, that you know, I knew about these challenges. I drove cross country a bunch of times, '90s into the early 2000s, and I would go through Amarillo. And there's what is it, the Big Texan, and they had the 72 yep, ounce yep. steak challenge. Was that one of the first ones that kind of launched you to a little more prominence? So, what is the challenge? And then you've done it multiple times, right? Oh yeah. Well, actually, the first time I did it was in January of 14. I went to a place called Sailors in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And um, I had beaten Furious Pete's record. I'd eaten a 72-ounce steak. I ate, I ate it in two minutes and, like, 44 seconds. <laughs> um, and it's, it's not a very well-edited video, but that's on my YouTube. And then I did um, – I went to the Big Texan at Amarillo. And so they have this 72-ounce steak challenge. It's got, like, a shrimp cocktail. It's got the roll. It's got the big old baked potato, the salad, and all the, the steak and whatnot. And you have, like, an hour to eat the darn thing. And I went through – in uh, 2014, later, I want to say, and I, I, didn't, I just came in and I ordered two of the darn things just because I was just like, well, it's free if I eat it, so oh I might as well get some free lunch. <laughs> now you're just showing up. <laughs> and I finished it. Yeah, yeah no, that is, and I tried to get out of there without, making it, without, the, without the owner finding out where I, that I was there, and I kind of tried to, I skipped town, and they oh, called wow. me later. I was just like, ah, like, all right, just leave me alone. <laughs> so I got, in, I got invited to come back in 2015, and I did three of them, actually. Oh, my God. So, Incredible. Yeah, 20 minutes squash. Yeah, it was fun. Cofield and Cofield, uh, Cofield and Cofield, yeah. Cofield and Company audience knows we only talk to the greatest athletes in the world, and this time of year we get all giddy. We get all giddy around the hot dog eating contest. So um, while I have fun watching the hot dog eating contest, 
I have been frustrated over the years because I know who you are. We just had on Raina Wong, who's emerged recently as a big social media person, eating just, you know, pho and these crazy amounts of food. And then I watched the competition each year, and I looked at the roster the other day, and I'm like, where are the new eaters? Like, why, why is Molly not in the women's competition? Where's Raina? We love Mickey Sudo. By the way, I, don't, I asked Raina the same question. I don't know if there's, like, a healthy competition between you guys or you all want to stab each other. Like, on, on social media, is everyone cool amongst the eaters? Is this all good to talk about? Um, I think we all try to be neutral with each other. I mean, mm. everyone tries to be kind-ish, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I, I, just, I really keep to myself. Yeah. Really, I, I keep to myself. <laughs> have the Shea brothers ever reached out to you or you reach out to them? Um, you know, I, I have, I, I would like to do the Nathan's contest. Um, I tried to get in, in, uh, 2013. Uh, my issue was I had, my kids were, I, I had four kids and they were all small and I lived in Omaha and I just, I needed a little bit of a flexibility with the contract and I, I, I couldn't commit to it. That's all it came down to. I couldn't commit to it because it, it kind of locked me down. Right. Um, but, but, you know, I love the Nathan's, and maybe I will next year. I did, I did a hot dog contest. They weren't quite as big as Nathan's, but I did 53 in 10 minutes Whoa. a couple weeks ago, and I, I was laughing the whole, the whole time. I have a video of me just laughing and throwing <laughs> hot dogs at people. Uh, Molly Schuyler's <laughs> with us on Cofield and Company. Keep going. And, um, you know, it, I, I, I could do them, I, I, and I, I actually would enjoy being Nathan's, but I, if they want me there, I'd probably put my foot in the ring at this point. But I, hmm. you know, they they like they like Mickey, so that's cool. I, if they want her, I, I'll just keep to myself. Wait that's a cool. second. Um, Wait a second. Are you suggesting that the top dogs, Chestnut and Mickey, are a bit protected? I, I'm not saying that at all. Okay. I'm, I just, you know, I, I just. I, I avoid confrontation and controversy, and I just like to be left alone. I'm I'm tired of animosity with anybody. Yeah. I don't like problems. I don't like hard feelings. I just I'm over it. Yeah. I I, I like I like everybody. I truly do like everybody. And if the if the shades want me to be in Nathan's, absolutely. If they if they were to approach me and be like, hey, we'd like you to blah blah blah, I'd like I would seriously consider it. But uh, like I said, they, they have their favorites, and and, that, and I'm and I'm. The Emily's great. I love it. It's a great organization. But I mean, I don't know where I stand with them. And if they if they would like me around, absolutely, sure. Why not? Cool. I feel like <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan, but I feel like you need like a a Captain Lou Albano or like a, one of these classic wrestling managers to go in and and take care of all the animosity <laughs> and work this out. So going back to what you said a couple minutes ago about a contract, it's not just a contract for the hot dog eating contest, right? You become kind of exclusive, and then you might not have to be in all of their contests, but the only contests you can do are with them, right? It is, it is. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, they have, they have a ton of amazing contests throughout the year in different areas of the country, and my life has gotten easier. My, this is eleven. This is ten years, eleven years later now, and I have one kid that's moved out. I've all my kids are basically driving. I, I'm not stuck to my house anymore. So my life has completely done a flip, a complete 180, for you know, my <laughs> for for the restrictions. I can do whatever I want now. I I, I don't really you know I I could do it, um, you know. But like MLE, yeah. You, if you sign the contract, you'd have to be in it. It's a three-year contract where you only Ooh. eat with MLE, and and okay. like I said, but it protect it protects. But you know, it's a business, absolutely. Right. That's a business. I would do the same thing if I was that business. You have to protect protect your assets, absolutely. 
you don't want you don't you don't want your competition going all over the globe and eating against you know going going against the principle. I mean, you want to protect your business. I completely agree, hundred percent. Okay. But I think we're breaking some news that we got a chance here. We may have a clash of the titans down the road, and I'm I'm like flipping out here in studio. I'm very excited about this. My partner Adam Candy can tell you. Uh, we love competitive eating. We've done pregame shows and postgame shows for the hot do- the hot dog eating contest. Um, I had a girlfriend years ago where we had a party. We watched the competitive uh, eating contest, the uh, the hot dog eating contest, and Kobayashi had a reversal, and I froze it on the TV. And everyone who came over had to watch the reversal. Like that's how much I love. I love this. I respect you guys. And here's here's the next level of respect, folks. For Molly Schuyler, you were in the wing bowl multiple times. I think the event's done now, right? You won three times. Tell people what the wing yeah, bowl yeah. was and how much pressure there is and uh, how many wings you have to eat to win the <laughs> Philly wing bowl. It's nuts. Oh, my gosh. Wing bowl was a hoot. That was a great time. Um, they did it for 26 years, and it was based on the fact that the Eagles weren't really doing too hot, I, I suppose you want to say that way, in, in the Super Bowl. Yep. And they had this contest that basically started out of nowhere, just a bunch of guys eating a couple wings. I mean, just I mean, literally, it was a nothing contest. It grew into this monstrosity that took over the Wells Fargo yep. Center. <laughs> and you'd have like 20,000 people at like, we'd, we'd start getting there at like 2, 3, 4 a.m. in the morning. And so we'd be eating wings at 8 a.m. for this big, massive contest. Uh, three rounds. 14 minutes, 14 minutes, and two minutes, so half an hour total. And, I mean, literally, you'd have these wings from, you know, and I think they were like a honey barbecue-ish, if I'm correct, um, chicken and peats. And they, I mean, they would give them to you on plates of 20, and they would judge your plate based on how clean they were. And, uh, you know, I did it for three years. I won in 2014, 2016, and 2018. Nice. And they... Stopped doing it after 2018. The Eagles actually won the Super Bowl because we did this on a Friday, and then they won Super Bowl Sunday, and that was the last contest they ever did. And I did it uh, 501 of their bone-in chicken wings in half an hour. 501, folks. Candy, 501. 501, and you just... (laughs) And Molly, you just brought up something I had not thought about that is a very interesting twist on all this. You had to start eating at 8 a.m. Does the time of day factor in with the way that, I mean, I know you're a competitive eater. You could probably show up at, you know, 3 in the morning and do this if you had to. But, like, does it change anything about how you go about it? I mean, I would suppose so. I mean, nobody, usually people are sleeping at 3 a.m. Um, and I was in <laughs> California, so I had, to take a fli- <laughs> I had to take a flight. And, you know, I'm over in Philadelphia, so three different, three hours change, but, you know, so it's basically 5 a.m. for me. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you just have to prepare and train a little bit differently. And everyone, it, it, people are all drinking, and it's, it's funny. I actually don't drink myself, but, I mean, it's funny because these people are all partying and having this amazing time, and it's a Philadelphia tradition. And it, it, just freaking fun, and then people just come out and eat a bunch of wings. <laughs> Molly, you're awesome. We appreciate you coming on, even though uh, I screwed up the time a little bit. And we definitely want you on ah, down the right. road. Really, really good spot. And uh, uh, continued good luck to you in terms of making some bucks off of this. And, man, it would be such a thrill to see you in that contest and doing MLE as well, man. Exciting stuff. Yeah, no, it would, it would be cool to do that. You know, like I said, it's, it's always an option. And, you know, like I said, I, like they're all great people. And 
I'm actually friends with pretty much everybody in MLE, and we always have been. So it's not like nobody nobody hates each other. It's just we just are in different playing fields and different. I'm independent. They have a contract, and I just we all text each other anyway, so it's cool. There you go. Thank you, Molly. We'll see you. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Oh my god. I don't think I can finish the hour. I don't think I can. I have to go breathe into a bag. I'm about to hyperventilate. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call Justin and Matt and the rest of the crew. (laughs) I can't do it. I couldn't finish the hour. Ah, I can't catch my breath.